Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, and thank you for tuning into our show today. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Also, thank those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pub application and the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to hear from a leading expert to help us avoid and deal with age discrimination in the workplace, especially for seniors and boomers. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. Now that we have the vaccines for the COVID-19, it's going to be up to you to make that decision to get the vaccine in the coming weeks and months. I'm planning to get the vaccine soon, but I've delayed a little bit because I have a high level of antibodies after having the COVID-19 illness in December. But I do continue to do the social distancing and wearing my mask. Hopefully these vaccines will help us get back to normal as before quite soon. Be sure to pick up the February issue, The Best of Times, at one of our 270 distribution locations. Thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy, you can visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues, as well as the 2020 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, and to listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on The Best of Times Radio Hour. For your information, there is a new fraudulent activity happening in the Shreveport and Bossier City area, but also across the entire United States. Criminals have obtained personal information from individuals via a large data breach that occurred many, many months ago. And they are using this data of individuals to fraudulently file for state and federal unemployment compensation benefits. This, hap- this probably would have occurred, according to detectives, between March to December of last year that these individual criminals could apply online to receive unemployment benefits without the need of coming up, showing up at the unemployment offices throughout our country due, of course, to the COVID-19 pandemic. Annually, each of us receive numerous statements from employers, banks, investment companies, but also federal and state agencies like you, if you got a tax refund or your Social Security or, or uh, definitely if you got legitimate unemployment payments. But around February 1st, when these statements come out and are mailed to you, most of us don't even open them until we're ready to complete our tax returns. However, just a couple of days ago, I decided to open my statements and found a Form 1099-G which reported unemployment payments supposedly that I did during the year 2020, but I did not file, did not apply, as I have not been employed by a company for over 20 years ago, back in 2000. So I am a victim of that identity theft. The form stated that these financial benefits will be reported to the RES and I will have to pay taxes on them. So I contacted the Louisiana Workforce Commission. It stated that they have received information that during the year 2020, an international crime ring got access to personal information to fraudulently file unemployment benefits in all states, including Louisiana. 
So my suggestion to you is you might consider opening all your mail, including the statements and forms that you might have received regarding uh, banks, uh, Social Security, tax refunds, etc., that they, they could have be suspicious and they could be fraudulent, especially as I have been told that over 100 have been reported within this report in Bossier City area as of a couple of days ago. So it's an IRS form 1099G for unemployment benefits in 2020. If you get this, you need to contact your local law enforcement agency to report this and as well as to contact the Louisiana Workforce Commission to send you information to attach to your tax return so you will not be finding this taxable. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by AERP Louisiana Neighbors, Sunday Country Rest Report, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Key. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, and I thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a special guest, is Dr. David Schein, who is an associate professor of Cameron School of Business at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas. He is a noted author, licensed attorney, business consultant, and spokesperson, as well as being a radio show host. So thank you, David, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you so much, Gary. I appreciate the invitation, and I'm looking forward to talking with you and, and sharing things with your audience. Well, well, David, I want to compliment you. You sent me a copy of your interesting book called The Decline of America, and I found it quite interesting. And I think it gave me a wake-up a wake up call about things that we should do to make America better. And uh, while I'm going to tell our listeners, he reviews the past United States presidents and their actions over the past 100 years. Wow. How many presidents? 17 or so? Seventeen, and the book ends with uh, with President Obama, and uh, we're working on a second edition of the book right now that will, of course, include a chapter on uh, President Trump. Wow. And I, I think my listeners that pick up this particular book, again, the book is called uh, The Decline of America, and, of course, it's available by Googling it, I'm sure, on Amazon and as well as other sources. And I'll be putting a, a link on my website for anybody that wants to, to order it. Uh, it's, it was fascinating. So, uh, again, uh, what, made you, what made you do that back in 2018? Well, um, <laughs> that, the first point is, is it took four years to write the book. So I, I had the inspiration for several years. But a lot of it goes back to the fact that I had the opportunity to live in the Washington, D.C. area, 99 to 2001. And uh, I was friends with people in Congress. I was not in Congress. I was not a staff member. But I had access. And so you, you've heard the cliche, the fly on the wall. So <laughs> I got to be the fly on the wall. And it's a terrific thing because you're under no pressure. You have no confidentiality re- agreements or anything. But I got to watch lobbyists in action and uh, got to go to special events and traverse, uh, you know, the congressional halls and things. So I have had the book in mind since then. 
And then in 2013, I relocated back to Houston. I had been living in Virginia for about a dozen years. And um, I said, you know, I've really got to start talking about the future of America and making America better. I'm a proud parent and grandparent. And I really feel that we can do a lot better than we're doing uh, across the board uh, with our government. I, I don't think it's a problem with the people in America. I, 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 we have fabulous people in America, but our government is not living up to the rest of us, I guess I'd say. Well, and, and I think you put it, you say, a hundred years of leadership failures. It may not be the, the fault of our, all our presidents and our other other politicians and leaders in, in Congress and Senate and, and the administration, but it, 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 there's probably so many factors. I mean, I, I couldn't fathom. Uh, I used to work for the feds many years ago. I'm an old guy, too, so I used to go to D.C. a lot, and I just couldn't understand why come it took, took so long to implement good stuff and how quickly it took to implement bad stuff. Well, I agree with that, and it's it's a great shame. And one of the things that, as someone who's fairly visible in the community as, as both an attorney and a professor, is that people call me because they need help. And most of the time there's a government agency that's supposed to be helping them. And I, I literally got a call uh, from a woman in Virginia um, in tears this morning, about 10 o'clock this morning, who is struggling with some public sector issues and it's like gosh how do you get people the help that they're entitled to that their taxes are paying for and it's a it's a very difficult uh, challenging situation when we we're spending so much on taxes I, as you know from my book one of my special interests is the incredible deficit that we're running up and the deficit has shot up dramatically oh, it has. during the last few years and that's interesting because I think there's this uh, generic observation that the Democrats run the budget and the Republicans are the conservatives financially the reality is the party doesn't make a difference both parties have run up the debt and uh, they, they share equally in the blame and uh, it's uh, and they just keep getting to bigger and bigger numbers I mean and so uh, it, it is a, a very disconcerting because, again, as a parent and a grandparent, I want the lives of my children and other people's children to be great, to be better, to have more opportunity. And if we keep doing what we're doing and we keep spending money that we don't have, we're not going to leave a very good legacy for future generations. And um, well, I want to give you a little tangent about myself. You don't know me that much, but my list, most of my listeners do. I've been through a lot in my 70 years of here on Earth, but uh, in career paths, I used to work for the federal government back in the, mm, let me think, 1980 to 1987. And I was a Medicare monitor of all hospitals and nursing homes and of quality and financial issues. Uh, and... During those years, there was so much fraud and abuse, and, and supposedly it, it's got worse and worse each and every year. We found so much. We tried to eliminate it and reduce it, but it kept – these people are so smart. These criminals, these organized crime people are just so 
they just know how to take advantage of us and uh, knowing the loopholes and hardly get caught and it's it's so it's so sad that all of our taxpayers' money is going to to these these I hate to call them hoodlums, uh, criminals, etc. It, it is it is a great shame and um, I mean that's the flip side of this. So you know I'm I'm critical of what we're doing with the government. And by the way, I am the product of a military lifer. <laughs> uh, my dad was in the U.S. Navy for 28 and a half years as uh, an enlisted man. He retired as a as a chief in the Navy, and so I grew up in the shadow of the federal government, and I saw the best being the people that serve in the military, and I saw the worst being the bureaucracy behind it. Oh, it's sad. Well, today I announced on my show. I, I don't know if you're going to you're going to buddy. You'll probably hear about this soon nationwide. Uh, that a bunch of criminals uh, stole a bunch of data from individuals throughout the United States and are, have filed during COVID time unemployment compensation benefits. In behalf, I hadn't heard it there. Um, I I hadn't heard that yet. Uh, well, I just got about California or someplace. No, it's throughout. Even in Louisiana, I was a I was a victim. Wow. To my listeners today, I'm, I was a victim. I opened up my. Um, statements generally I do not open to tax time and I opened it up and I was uh, found my name I found that I filed for unemployment compensation from an employer that I hadn't worked for for 21 years ago and this person got <laughs> got the money and ran and he didn't have to, he or she didn't have to even show up it's online uh, application and the state said we didn't question it and we gave the money to him uh, her and so now I've reported to everybody from federal, state, local, and telling the whole world, make sure you open up your forms because it's – and in my just area, I called the local authorities and they said, oh, yes, Mr. Kalikas, we've already received 100 of these. Just – and we didn't have any last week. We've already got 100 so far. And oh it's going to hit throughout the United States. So – and this is going to be a big, multi-billion-dollar uh, scam that all of us are paying for our taxpayers' dollars. So it – and it's going to, it's it causing is. us seniors a lot of work and others. I mean, you have to go get it off your record and get it off your income tax. And because it says in there, this is taxable income, which I never received. So I got to get it off of there. It's like one more thing to worry about. So oh that's, my goodness. that's a tangent, but uh, you'll learn more about it. I hope the media starts uh, uh, telling people, open up your forms now and don't wait to like the, you know, April 14th to do this because you're not going to have time to get it off your, your tax return. Uh, quickly. Okay, so I build you as coming on the show because a lot of people have told me throughout my neck of the woods here, I hate to use that word, but neck of the woods, that seniors and boomers are getting more discriminated in the workplace. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about that because it's amazing that, uh, uh, I hate to say this, some of these millennials, et cetera, that are hiring people and hiring us seniors and boomers for part-time or full-time jobs are actually discriminating and, and trying to bel- sometimes probably belittle us and do other things to us. So let, let's talk about that first. Sure. Well, I have, um, you know, they, they say that anybody in the, in the news media and the radio loves fresh meat. <laughs> and I have fresh meat for you because the phone call that I got at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, we're not going to disclose any any privileged information, but it's a 65-year-old woman. She has a master's degree in education. 
She is certified to teach at the elementary school level. Uh, she applied to be a full-time third-grade teacher, and she had a virtual interview where the people interviewing her said, hey, why aren't you applying to do 20 hours a week or just be a substitute teacher? You know, why are you applying for a full-time position? Wow. And uh, I was her next phone call. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, she's, she's pretty upset. I mean, she was crying on the phone, and so I'm, I'm hoping to make some phone calls and see if I can, and can help her later this afternoon. But the, the sad fact is, is that is overt age discrimination. First of all, just because someone is 65 years old, does not mean that they are relegated to working part-time or being a greeter at Walmart. Uh, if you've got the skills and you are able and willing to work full-time, then nobody can tell you legally if they have at least 20 employees at the federal level, and in some states it may be a different number, just to be fair, but across the country if you have at least 20 employees, that business is subject to the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, which has been in effect for many years. When it was first passed, it applied from 40 to 65. It was then raised to age 70. And then during big surprise, the administration of Ronald Reagan, the cap was taken off. Well, which no means cap. that in the, there's no cap in the United States. Now, to be fair, you can't be an airline pilot, <laughs> and you can be rejected for the FBI or for the police academy if you're over a certain age, and that's for, you know, general health reasons or things like that. And so um, the point is you cannot be forced to retire. You cannot be treated differently than people who are younger than you. And it's a, it's a very significant issue. And my observation, and I've worked um, in employment law for my entire professional career, over 40 years, and I can tell you that without fear of contradiction, age discrimination is the most common form of discrimination in the United States. All other forms of discrimination, race, color, religion, gender, sexual harassment, all of them combined are like half of the volume of age discrimination in wow. this country. And it's not headline news. No, so, it's not. It's you know, not. We're, and that's, that's what I'm concerned about is that our enforcement agencies do not treat age discrimination the same way that they treat other forms of discrimination. And that's not fair. It's not fair to the people who have worked for so many years and earned their credentials and they are entitled to be treated fairly just like any other protected group. Well, now that a lot of the interviews are done via Zoom and other, other matter means, should seniors and boomers uh, record that on their systems? So like if somebody tells them, um, you know, during their interview that, you know, we don't think that you should be hired because you're 66 years old and you, you, you can't handle the job. We want somebody younger. So th do, do you have to have documentation, both written or verbal well, or video, to get the... I, I want to be careful about this because it's going to vary from state to state. And you may remember 
the um, the Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky Monica Lewinsky deal, oh, yes. where her her buddy uh, recorded the the call and actually had the call, and uh, that was passed around. And in fact, I think to to quiet her up, they actually uh, threatened to prosecute her, and then they dropped the prosecution uh, later. But the interesting thing about it is that it, it varies from state to state. So. In most states, only one party, meaning the party doing the recording, needs to consent to the call. The, uh, I think Maryland was an exception, and uh, I think what was her name Linda Tripp was the one recording the call, and uh, she was actually physically in Maryland at that point, and that's why they were going after her under the state rules. But yes, one of the biggest issues that we have, speaking strictly as an attorney, is evidence. So certainly a recording of that call, and that's one of the things I said to this this young lady when we were talking with her, is that, uh, gee, that would have been a great time, especially with a virtual call. It would have been very easy for her to just left her phone recording sitting on her desk while she was having the virtual interview. And so it, it would have been good, but she did not do that because, again, she was not expecting and now, to be And now treated. we're to have your word against his word and her word. It's going to be... Precisely. And that's the Precisely. tough one. Precisely. The, 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 the interviewer person is going to say, I don't remember saying that. I never said that to yeah. her. They're going to, they're going to be in denial. And that's the tough one. You know, I, I do think that the advice that you should be giving seniors and boomers out there is um, is probably do that do what they can to document if they're being discriminated against, right? In some manner, absolutely. And uh, absolutely, and to ask questions, ask questions. There's a couple notes on this. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the general approach. First of all, if you are applying for full-time work then you need to have a plan and one of the things is is that in my position a fairly visible person i see a lot of resumes and i can't tell you that i've seen a resume in the last couple years that i didn't have a suggestion for and one of the things i recommend to people is if you are job hunting is to get somebody else to look at your resume make sure you have a first class resume ready to go and um, it doesn't need a picture. Some of the newer resumes have pictures. I'm, I'm not impressed with pictures. I'm impressed with a well-laid-out uh, resume that's got everything in the right places and it's got good specific information. And you don't have to include your birth, date of birth or your age, do you? You never have to include that information. And, in fact, um, if you look at a LinkedIn profile, I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn is my preferred business uh, networking site, and that's a good tip for our listeners is to say, uh, you know, you should have a profile on LinkedIn if you're looking for a job because that's right. the business networking best social media. Um, you might want to go in and clean up your media. Uh, sometimes people have some strange stuff on their Facebook page and uh, <laughs> things like that. It's a good idea to not have, uh, you know, anything too too crazy on your social media because a lot of businesses today, when they are evaluating candidates, do look at social media to see if the person has uh, posted something that might indicate, uh, you know, something offensive or something that could cause problems for their business. 
but um, there are a lot of organizations out there that will help people. You mentioned your show here is sponsored by AARP. Uh, there is a score, uh, a service corp of retired executives. There are a lot of organizations that will help people to make sure that their resume is up to date. One of the things, I'm not familiar with this, but I'm sure in many communities there are opportunities for people to practice job interviews. And it is fairly easy to do a virtual job interview, but I could anticipate if there's somebody who maybe hasn't, has recently been laid off because of COVID last March, April, May, and is maybe getting trying to get back into the job market right now, that they might be a little intimidated about doing a virtual job interview. Best thing in the world, connect with your um, family, connect with a, another business person that you know, and do a virtual interview with your phone or with your laptop or your regular computer. It's not that hard, but once you've done it a couple times, you're going to feel more comfortable and you're going to do a better interview. Well, that's some great, so, great advice to practice a little works. bit. That's, it's good to yeah. practice before, especially in this world and age, especially if they've been out of the workforce for, for a few years and they want to get back into it. That's a good, good idea. Absolutely. Okay. And we've got a lot of people who are, who've been out of the workforce for a while because of the, the oh, COVID yeah. situation. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I've seen it a lot. Okay, so... Another another point that that you wanted uh, that you offered to discuss, and I've been seeing as well, is sadly, in regarding seniors and boomers, the the trend is growing with the divorce rate amongst this group. And why do you feel it's it's that? I mean, some of these couples have been married forty, fifty years or more, and now they want to get a divorce. Right. Well, one of the things that I do is I don't do any litigation between my responsibilities at the university and writing books and doing these things I do. I don't have time to go to the courthouse. That's a separate skill group. I was good when I did it, but I'm happy to be out of the courthouse. But because of that, I do dispute resolution. I do mediation, and I also do a fairly new approach called collaborative law and uh, we can do arbitrations. For marital situations, the most popular approach is to do a mediation where a neutral third party sits down with the spouses and discusses with them where they'd like to end up and to do it in an amicable fashion. The reason that mediation is so popular is it's confidential and it is much less expensive then both sides hiring, you know, attorneys and duking it out at the courthouse, Excellent. which is a public record. And and so, so mediation. Now let's ahead. hope they let's hope they try to have marriage therapy before. But could could marriage therapy be part of this mediation? Or well, I recommend it when people come to me, especially as you, as we're talking about. Uh, there, I did an amazing number of cases, particularly in collaborative law of couples that were married for 30 and 40 years. And I don't have a quick answer for you as to why that is, other than to say that people do change over time. And we're not used to living this long. I mean, 70 is nothing today. 70 is routine. That's true. And so I'm 70. It's routine. Of that, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, so what happens is, is that, 
people have different interests in life, and you have situations where you may have a, a couple of 60-year-olds who've been married since they were both 25 or around 25, so they've been married 35 years, and one of them is ready to go sit on the beach and read books and do painting, and the other one wants to go to work every day and wants somebody to not be at the beach reading books, but to be at home running the household, making dinners, and, and, and supporting the household. And that can be either the male or the female. And uh, one of the more interesting things I've run into is women who have made more than their husbands. And in many cases, they didn't when they were earlier in their career, but the husbands kind of tapered off, and the wives became very successful. Uh, one of the wildest cases I did the husband uh, was making less than 50000 a year and was down to making much less than that by the time of the divorce, and the wife was making uh, 250000 a year. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so it's, it's not right. what everybody thinks about the, the, the gender association. is not necessarily true anymore, and that's exciting and that's important because we, we have more women than men out there. Uh, women have bring a tremendous amount to the workplace, and we talked about age discrimination earlier, and, of course, uh, there's no question that there's still gender discrimination, and, you know, we're now focused... At least we're not focused on the lower levels. We're now focused on what's called the C-suite. But, gee, the, the president of General Motors is a, is a woman. So, I mean, we're, we're right. definitely uh, former President Hewlett-Packard was a woman. I mean, so we're, we're definitely making a lot of progress in some other areas. But as we get to this age of divorce, the, the mediation is attractive uh, for a lot of these kind of reasons. But the people need to have the right attitude. One of the things that I get into, and of course the, the Great South, which includes Texas and Louisiana, uh, most of the states uh, that were originally spe- uh, settled by the Spaniards, including California, of course, are community property states. And the reason that's interesting is because usually one of the two spouses has made more money. Sure. But the community property rule is quite black and white. It's equal, equal. So even if one spouse stayed at home, ran the household, and the other spouse was out there, you know, working seven days a week, to, working their fingers to the bone, legally it doesn't make a difference. So that retirement plan gets split, that savings plan gets split. And, and all that, and I get calls every day, and let's not talk about age specifically, but I'm saying I get calls frequently from people, and I don't do divorce representation. I strictly do mediation, but I get calls from people saying, you know, my I'm getting divorced. My husband's got, you know, 300000 in his retirement account, and he's saying, the heck with you. I'm not sharing that. That I work for that money. That's my 300000 bucks, and I'm like, I think if he doesn't understand that, we can't mediate because we're not going to reach a compromise on that. It's not compromisable. He he has to give up half of it. And so it, it's pretty interesting. And so usually what happens is they hire attorneys, they go to the courthouse, and then even the, 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 the guy's own attorney system, look, buddy, you're paying me, you know, 300, 400 bucks an hour to do this, but I can't change the law. You're going to give half that retirement plan to your wife. But by this time, they've each spent 5000 in legal fees or more. 
<laughs> That's <laughs> right. Like, you know, get get a life. Understand how the rules work. But it is sad. I can tell you that every time that I'm approached about a marital mediation, the very first question I ask is, have you been to marriage counseling? It's the Excellent. very first question I'll ask because it, it, it sometimes it's communication and people need to work it out. Um, but I, I worked on a case recently where the wife was 74, the husband was 78, and the, the question I got from the financial advisor, one of the advantages of these informal means of resolving things is we can bring a third-party financial advisor in who works for the couple. He, he's not trying to minimize how much the husband has or boost the wife or whatever, but he's working for both couples, and that also saves a lot of money because you avoid what's called dueling experts, where each side pays their own expert to fight about where the money is and how much there is. But um, it was a pretty interesting deal because the husband, again, this community property state, uh, was trying to cling to his retirement, and it, it took about four months for him to figure out that he... He, he, he has to share. <laughs> so um, one of the things is sometimes people say, well, you have to go in and take each plan and split it in half. Many people have worked for more than one company. There's usually more than one retirement account. And one of the nice things about doing a negotiated settlement is you can do smart stuff, like you can leave the retirement of the husband alone but you can give the wife the SEP IRA or the Roth savings or some other savings accounts so that you don't have to split benefits up if there's an easier way to do it. And that's where having an, a, an, a consultant, a financial consultant, who works for the couple and doesn't work against one or the other. And you don't have competing really experts out. going back and forth and giving their opinion and and the, the, the court's going to, the judge is going to decide in that particular scenario, Precisely. Right? Precisely. And a lot of times when they get to the courthouse, the judge orders each individual plan to be split in half. Very cumbersome, lots of paperwork, and it may not be the best decision. And of course, by the time they get there, they may have each spent ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars uh, in legal fees, and we're talking modest deals. We're talking. We're not talking the the New York stuff. I mean, you may have heard that uh, uh, the Alec Baldwin's divorce from from Ken Basinger. The report I heard is that they spent a million dollars in divorce legal fees. Whoa. So, so yeah, no, th th we're, we're talking just Thousands Joe of and Sally Blow. We're talking just the regular people. But think about it. I mean, uh, a lot of people, their net income for a year is not going to be twelve or 15000 net. In other words, once you've paid all your bills. Okay. Well, he's been giving us some great insights, some, uh, some great insights about in, 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 uh, age discrimination in the workplace, especially for seniors and boomers. We're talking about more and more seniors getting a divorce, and his his advice is to go into mediation or, or uh, try to solve it through through marriage uh, counseling before you go take the expensive and difficult avenue of, of going to divorce court, right? Absolutely. And that's true for all ages, but I think it works especially well for seniors who sometimes have 
some assets to split up, and they're not dealing with uh, little children in the household. Uh, though I have worked on cases where, um, you know, sadly, you know, sometimes you have a, a, a senior couple who has had an adult child who has special needs, and you need to make sure that's handled in the in the divorce also. And, you know, again, you're talking about being costly and unnecessary. I know of individuals that have been divorced, then remarried, then divorced again, two sets of different lawyers again dealing, more expense, and they actually re- remarried and divorced the third time. Three That can happen. <laughs> I mean, the all lawyers were happy on both sides because both of them got paid, whatever. But it's so sad, and uh, you know, it's it so sad. Went through three divorces. You know, it, it is. I, I think one of my stories like that is I work with this uh, gentleman and and helped him through a divorce. You know, kind of the the first marriage, and they'd been married for about twenty years, and it was a difficult divorce. And I got to know the husband pretty well. I represented the husband in the mediation. Uh, in mediation, by the way, you can have an attorney, but usually the attorney billing is a lot less because it's not a big battle at the courthouse. You do more of a consulting role. But in any event, I represented this gentleman, sharp guy, good businessman. And to my surprise, he contacted me about a year later, and he said, I need your help again. And he had done uh, a mail-order Asian bride shortly after (laughs) his divorce went through. And she got to the United States, and uh, she got her papers here and got settled in the United States and promptly told him to take Ike. Oh, wow. And so he was was back in, in, I I don't think it was 18 months separation. So sometimes people do make... Do make mistakes, you know. Yes. <laughs> Back at it. That so ha- I don't think that he's, he's gone in for again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's. Before we close, we I'd love to talk with you for hours. There, you're you're a great uh, person of great knowledge and information and sharing. So, the you told me the outcome of the current elections may involve some um, proposed ambitious changes to our current American policies, and one of them, you state, was. There were some promises, and we may see it, Medicare for all. So what's your opinion about that? Well, I'm very concerned about that. And, and for the record, I, because I have a full-time faculty position, I have the option of either having Medicare or having the, the group health plan, and my group health plan is very good. So uh, something that a lot of people don't realize because they see these ads on television say, oh, you're turning 65, you better hurry up and register for Medicare. Um, there's an important caveat. If you are covered by what's called a compliant health insurance plan, which I am, I'm in a large group plan, then you are not required to sign up for Medicare. You must, however, if you leave that plan and you don't go to another full-time position with health insurance, then you do need to give timely notice. And you, I think you have some months, but I'm not going to get into the technical details. But the point is, is that you know we don't all have to be in Medicare. But the reason people say to me, well, why would you choose not to be? Isn't that cheaper? Because I do make copay and I do have different deductibles, and the answer is is because I have more choice of doctors. Um, one of the situations for doctors is that if they accept any Medicare patients, they must accept all Medicare patients. Mm-hmm. And so, for some doctors, if they have a pretty active practice, 
they don't want to get involved, and you had mentioned earlier that you've been involved in the Medicare payment system, is that if they don't want to get their practice set up to work with the feds, then they can choose not to work with the feds at all. And not all doctors do that, but some doctors do make that decision. It's a business decision. But um, the uh, so that's important, I think, that, that people understand what's happening with uh, just that part of Medicare. But to talk about the big issue is if we do bring in Medicare for all, the problem is, is it's well reported that Medicare is going to run out of money, that despite the fact that for many, many years we who work have been paying in, including my last paycheck, part of that money went to Medicare and part of my employer's money went to Medicare. This is not a free benefit. This is something that we seniors have paid for over a long period of time, and it makes sense for us to have this benefit because we basically prepaid for it. So as we were going through our work lives, we paid into this benefit, and it's the government should have kept that money in a separate trust. They didn't, for the record, but they supposedly did keep some of it there. And we're entitled to that. Now, if you change Medicare to say anybody who feels like it, can just run in and say, hey, I'm covered by Medicare. First of all, it wouldn't be Medicare. It would be Medicaid. So I, I think sometimes when they say Medicare for all, they don't really understand the difference between Medicaid sure. and Medicare. Medicare is this system of funded benefits by seniors for, you know, by working people for when they become seniors. But um, my concern is that we are not in a position to just give away health care. Uh, I think people who have the financial wherewithal to pay for it should pay for health care, and the people who don't have different options available. And I'm not, I don't mean to sound cold-hearted. It's not, gee, tough luck, you're not working, so you shouldn't get health care. not what I'm saying, but every community has community health care facilities for people who are indigent and for people who do not have money. I'm a lot more concerned about middle-income people being hurt by high health insurance premiums than I am about the completely indigent getting health care because that really is, at least in the markets that I've been in, and I've lived in big cities like Washington, D.C., Houston, Texas, Richmond, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia, Philadelphia, some of the cities I've lived in, they have extensive public health systems, but they're not set up for the, for the middle no, class, no. and we're not worried about the wealthy. Yeah, the middle class is the ones that are really good. You know, their premiums are astronomical with very, very extremely high deductibles, and still their their monthly premiums are out, are skyrocketing. It's, it's so sad. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and and they're the ones suffering the most, and I think they're the ones screaming for more, you know, affordable health care coverage, and I think the, the, uh, some of the people in, in, in government think that the Medicare for All will solve the problem. I, I agree with you. I don't think it will. Uh, everybody, so... Uh, Hopefully, hopefully somebody will make a good decision in the near future to, to help reduce uh, health care premiums and health care costs uh, throughout the United States and, and throughout the world as well. So thank you, David. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. All that time went by so fast. I look forward to having you again on my radio show, and I want to wish you best of luck in the, in the near future and best of luck. His book is called the David Shine, The Decline of America, 
A hundred years of leadership failures. It's, it's fascinating. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. And uh, you can you can find it on Amazon, or you can also visit the Best of Times News dot com website for information about him and about the book. So thank you again for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you, Gary. Take care. Thank you. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to our show. Hope you'll join us next Saturday for another interesting show that can benefit you and your loved ones. Learn more about our magazine, our radio show, by visiting our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Hindsight is 2020, and with everything that happened last year, maybe you forgot to call your favorite electrician. Well, 2021 is a new year, so call McNear Electrical Contracting today. With over 36 years of experience, McNear can help you with any of your residential or commercial needs. Let McNear light up your day, wishing you the very best this year and always. For more information on all of the services we offer, visit us at McNearElectric.net. That's McNearElectric.net. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. I hear me, yeah, that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give us all the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Nope, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Thank you for listening to our show today. Hope you join us next Saturday for another interesting show to benefit you and your loved ones. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel.